Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ajalene. And I'm Grace. And this is just a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie, we put them to both feminist and inclusive tests, and then we ask the most important question of them all. Is the movie good? And also, we can't fight the moonlight. I don't know. I tried Deep to do something. In the dark, you're so bad and I'm <laughs> But you know, don't you know that you can't fight the moonlight? No. Okay. Real talk. Yes. Technically, this is bad movie month. Mm-hmm. And yes, technically, critics think this is a bad movie. But I'm here to tell you. It is not. It is not. I am standing by this film 100%. Sure, there are a few stupid things that happen in it. Sure, some of the character motivation is a little weird. And there's definitely a part that's super sexist. And it's definitely catered to the male gaze. But it's still a gosh darn good movie. Yeah. I I say gosh darn. (laughs) I don't care what anybody says i love this movie like i know that it is straight up trash it's not even straight up trash though i I refuse to put this in the same camp as garbage like there is there are movies that i know are absolute garbage twister is an absolute garbage movie the only thing that's good about it is its special effects which somehow managed to hold up pretty damn well for a movie that came out in 1996 right? It's pretty garbage. But I still love it. This movie is not garbage. This movie does not deserve the rating it gets on Rotten Tomatoes. It's true. Anyway, I'm going to quickly go through the stats and then we can talk about it, but I'm very <laughs> animated on this, on this one. movie. <laughs> Gonna go off on those critics. Those elitist fucks. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, okay. Um, okay, so this movie, uh, Coyote Ugly, came out in 2000. This movie is 20 years old. Yep. Um, it was directed by David McNally, written by Gina Windcoast. Piper Parabo stars as Violet Sanford. Piper has done Covert Affairs. She was in the Rocky, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. <laughs> Um, Adam Garcia plays Kevin O'Donnell. He does a lot of stage stuff now. He was in Riding in Cars with Boys. He was in... John Goodman plays... Huh? Oh, he was in Wicked and Kiss Me Kate. Oh, yes. But, like, the stage roles. Yes. He was, he was, um, the main guy in Wicked. Furio. Furio. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, John Goodman's in this movie. He plays Bill. At the time, his main claim to fame was being in, uh... Roseanne. Um, Roseanne. I'm not sure when The Big Lebowski came out, but um, it was within the within a five year span. Of he this was movie, also so. in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, or like around this time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good movie. We're doing a Coen Brothers movie uh, month, I think. You know what? He Next, basically though in this Coen movie, like this movie, and for some reason in uh, Crossroads, I get him and Dan Aykroyd, like, mixed up because they straight up play the same character, like, concerned father. Overprotective dad of a blonde girl. Yeah. It's true. Um, Maria Bello's in this movie. She plays Lil. She's, uh, she's, you know, got a steady career. I think she does, um, like, a Law and Order episode, Law and Order now. Yeah. Or she did. Um, she also was in the Mummy movie we don't talk about, Tomb <laughs> of the Dragon Emperor, where she replaced Rachel Weisz's character and was the new Evie. And, you know, I like Maria Bello. I, re- I really do. I like Maria Bello, but she is not Evie, okay? No. Just, I'm putting it out there. Um, Isabella Miko plays Cammy. Uh, she's done some small-time TV stuff, nothing huge. Um, Bridget Moynihan plays Rachel again, small time TV stuff, nothing major. Uh, Tyra Banks was in this movie for five lines, even though she's prominently on the cover. I know. That's the thing. (laughs) I, I remember watching this and being so excited to see Tyra Banks. And I was just like, why is she not in this movie more? Yeah. Um, she plays, uh, Zoe. Again, like, she's literally here for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last but certainly not least is Melanie Linsky, who we've talked about before. She, of course, was in But I'm a Cheerleader and Ever After. Uh, she went on to be a pretty prominent role on Two and a Half Men. 
Um, she's also in Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, she plays Gloria. Um, and then we have Leanne Rhymes as herself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are the main ones. Now the the Rotten Tomatoes score reveal, you guys. Twenty three percent critical and seventy one percent audience. And you know what? The audience is right. Yeah. The audience should be higher than that, but I'll take it. Well, that's the thing. This movie became a cult classic and required like acquired a cult following a like cult following yeah after the year you know what this movie you know what it is it's teenage girls that loved this movie right like because yeah it was leanne rhymes that was the draw because like leanne rhymes was like one of those country artists that i was allowed to listen to as a kid mm-hmm. and like that's why i was allowed to watch this movie yeah um fun fun fact we had this movie on VH, VH, vhs tape boy and we ended up letting one of my mom's guy friends borrow it and he never gave it back to us. And he said the reason that he didn't give it back is because he just really loved to see the girls shake their ass on the bar. Yikes. And we never got the movie back. Um, yeah, the the other thing true. I, too, want to say story. about this movie is I, I think that it also got a little bit of, like, a gay cult following. Like, Really? Yeah. It, it's one of the... It's kind of like how Burlesque was also a really popular, like, movie in the gay community. And, I mean, let's just all say it. If you are a gay icon, that is like the highest achievement. <laughs> I won't. I don't think I'll ever reach that. I I would love to become a gay icon. I'm not gonna become one, but oh man, that that's all I ever <laughs> want in my life is to become a gay icon. Fair. Um, you'll be Dolly in no time flat. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> let's uh. Let's talk about this movie. Um, so, movie opens. You got Violet. She is a aspiring songwriter who wants to go to New York, which is only 45 minutes away from her home in South Amboy, South Amboy New Jersey. Right. And, you know, she works at a pizzeria, but she's going to be a famous songwriter. Yeah. So she she's is... going to move to New York and make her dreams come true. Well, yeah. So she is, you know, slugging the pizza, right? Saving up money because uh, she wants to move to New York, right? And uh, she ends up signing an autograph for her boss. Uh, and he puts it up on the wall. And there's like a ton of other autographs. And he... He ends up saying, he's like, wow, that wall is like 20 years of girls who, you know, tried to go to the big city and like nothing happened. Right. Because that's the yeah. like New York is a city of like 8 million people. Opportunity. Opportunities. <laughs> yes. And if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere else. But there's also 8 million people and they're all trying to achieve their dreams. And it's literally the end of Pretty Woman when they're in L.A. And he's like, what's your dream? Like, you could literally just, like, ask any random person that lives in New York, what do you want to do? Like, a lot of people aspire to live there because there's so many opportunities there to get involved in the entertainment business, even in small scale. Mm-hmm. The problem is, when you live in a bigger city, there's also more people who want the same thing you do. Yeah. So success might not come as easily as, say, you becoming a film producer for a small time, like, um, film company in a small state, you know, like an independent film company. I think it's kind of like our own sort of, you know, take on, well, you know, in the podcasting world, like me and Gracie, we do this for fun. But like, ultimately, yeah, we would absolutely love to become famous and make this like our, you know, regular job. But there's also, uh, I think they just reached, like, a million podcasts. Like, there are a million podcasts out there of people who are basically trying to achieve the exact same thing. And you know what? We might never actually gain, you know, more than, like, 100 listeners. I'm okay with this. That's that's totally cool. I'm not going to stop this. My goal... My goal, realistically, with this podcast is to get to a point where I'm comfortable enough and I have a small enough, like, a a large enough audience where, you know, we can interact with you guys and you guys can interact with us and have a simple parasocial relationship, right? Like, I don't follow a lot of huge YouTubers, you know? Like, uh, Hannah and Jake only have 160,000 subscribers, for example. That's not a huge number. That's, that is not a big amount for YouTube. But it's enough 
you know? And, like, both of them are Twitch streamers and they average, like, 100 to 200 people at a time on a stream. Like, that's my goal, right? To have, like, 100 to 200 people on a stream where we chat and we talk about dumb stuff or we talk about movies or whatever, you know? Like, that's my goal. I don't have huge, like, goals to be ultra famous like Joe Rogan or Last Podcast on the Left or My Favorite Murder or anything like that. Like, because it's unrealistic. That's not my goal. It's very unrealistic. I feel like it's very realistic to get to a point where we have, you know, like 500, 500 listens an episode. Like, that would be amazing. You know? I just want to get my stuff I do out love- there. Also, huh? I'm an attention whore and I just want people to love me. Anyways, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Annie. According to my mother. So she she moves to New York. She Her best friend is, like, getting married. But, you know, so her best friend's like, you know, I just don't know, baby. Like, we, we never follow through on the things that we say we're going to do. Like, and that we makes were going to lose so our virginity. <laughs> we were going to lose our virginity after we got married. And that didn't happen. And we were going to, uh, what was it? We were going to go to college and travel the world, and that didn't happen either. We've never followed through on a single thing, and that's what makes us special. And I'm like, honey, no. I'm like, yeah, I'm not like other girls this. Yeah, I'm like, mmm. Actually, everybody does that. That's every single person ever. Most people say that they're going to do something or they had a dream to do something, and just it didn't happen because, I don't know, they had children, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, like, it's great if you want to have children and that was your dream, like, you do you, but yeah. um, no thank you for me personally. Yeah, like, my my dream was to be a history teacher, and I am not a history teacher, my- <laughs> but you know what? It, it took a while to get where I am, and I'm completely happy with where I'm at, um, you wanna- plus I actually get paid more than if I were a first-year history school teacher, hey. so... I guess there's that. Hey, do you want to know what, what? my dream was? What? Were you want, did you want to be famous? I to be famous. <laughs> I am technically famous in Halifax as a traffic That's reporter because I am the girl with the traffic. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's not what I wanted to be famous about. But, you know, hey, it's a start, I guess. Come for that's the true. traffic. Stay for the really bad tweets. Uh... Anyway, so Violet, you know, is in this rundown apartment that probably costs her $1,200 a month. And she just starts, like, the next day, real happy and optimistic, going around New York City, asking people to take a listen to her tape. My favorite, like, there are two, two scenes which are hilarious to me. And the first one is when she meets Wendy. Yes. (laughs) The Wendy scene is hilarious. She's like, hi, I'm Violet Sanford. I just moved to New York and I was wondering if you would give me, um, if you give my tape to one of your artists. And Wendy's like, oh, that's so cute. Now let me tell you about me. My name is Wendy and I first moved to New York when I was 21 to be a dancer, but I broke my big toe. And then I got knocked up by this actor who dumped me to join the Peace Corps. So for the last 16 years, I've been raising my daughter all by myself. And then two weeks ago, she tells me that she She is is a bisexual and that she hates me more than any person on this planet. Now tell me, how can I help you, please? Because I am dying to make your dreams come true. (laughs) That is such an iconic scene. It's It's so so perfect. It was so, so I don't because I don't know who like played that woman, but she just she she took it and she ran like she said. I have one scene and I'm gonna make it count. It is one of the most memorable scenes in the entire film. And you know what it is? That moment that was probably the first time I had ever heard the word bisexual in anything, mm-hmm. right? So I like looked it up, and <laughs> that was my root. Um, but. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because, like, I was 12 when this came out, and that's that's when I came out. Um, but my mom had, like, pretty much the same reaction, where she was like, um, sorry, what? <laughs> like, this is a phase. This is a phase. Oh, yeah, that's she straight up. It's a phase. She straight up said that. Well, no, she didn't yeah, say that. Um, 
but she she basically was just Cry like for attention oh yeah um but she she was just like i i'm sorry what well what do you mean that you're like what do you what do you mean and i'm like i don't know i think girls are pretty and she was just like i think girls are pretty too it doesn't mean that i'm, I'm like mm. <laughs> like no mom i'm pretty sure i want to kiss the girls that i think are pretty that's the difference <laughs> yeah um but honestly this was like one of those moments where it was the first time i had ever heard that word um, and, and the way it was said too, like in that scene, it was mm-hmm. almost like disregarded because it's a 16 year old that is apparently told her mother that, right? So mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I just, like this is considered like a bad thing for this mother to right. be going through. And I'm just like, oh, this is biphobia a little bit. Like there's a bit of biphobia here. A little bit. But, I mean, the scene is super fun. Oh, yeah, the whole scene she's, is honestly... She's basically I, like, bitch, you think you're gonna make it here? <laughs> you Get those luck. dreams out of your head. But, you know, Violet is a very pretty 21-year-old 20, white girl, so of course she's gonna make it in, a, in this world. Um, that's, I mean, that's how the movie ends. So, so. um, uh, so she, like, tries, you know, she goes to another place and she's day like. Day one doesn't go good. Oh, yeah, because she goes to another place and they're like, so you, let me get this straight. You guys can't listen to it because then I could sue for liability or whatever. And the chick's just like, yeah, if we could, you know, we can't. We just can't, like. Yeah, like, it's copyright bylaws, you know? Like, we don't want to put ourselves at risk for being sued. You're going to have to get an agent, and then you're going to have to sign with us to write music for us. But we can't listen to anything unless an agent seeks you out. Like, that's that's how it works. And if Violet, you know, it's, it's 2000, you have access to the internet and to books on how to make it as a songwriter, you would know this, but... That's okay. So she she doesn't do too hot. Well, she doesn't doesn't do do any research whatsoever. So No, she just is like, I'm going to be a songwriter, but I have huge stage fright. Oh, God. But so she ends up, she wants to get noticed by music industry, like, scouts. So she goes to, like, this bar, and uh, she says, like, hey, who would I talk to about... And he's like, I've been a struggling sax player here for the last 16 years. Like, good luck. Like, I'm a bartender. Good luck, honey. But he ends up pointing out, because there's, like, this guy that's going around, and he's, like, shaking everybody's hands. hands. And everybody's hugging him. And, you know, he's wearing a leather jacket. And she's like, who's that? And he's like... That would be Mr. O'Donnell, the music manager. Yeah. And she thinks that he's like, he thinks, or she thinks that he is like the bar owner or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So afterwards, she waits outside and she's like, yeah, I know this isn't very professional, but here's my tape. And like, this is really new to me. Um, And in like watching the scene is so secondhand embarrassment. It's so much cringe. Like, I cringe because I feel like we've all been in that moment where you're just so naive and you're just like, no, honey. Or you've seen it happening where somebody (laughs) is just so naive and they don't know how things work quite yet. And then they do the thing and you're just like, that's not how that works. It's like a social faux pas. And you can, like... It's definitely that, you know, naive small town girl sort of moment where you're just like, oh, no, you're in New York, honey. Like, you can't just go up to people like that. No. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll take a look at it. And then the fry cook he works for comes out and starts yelling at him. And then, oh, cover's blown. He's actually not the music manager. He works in the back and flips burgers. Uh, so she's like, I can't believe I embarrassed myself. And she starts walking away. And this is the part where I knew it was directed by a man because she's walking away and he's following her. And she's like, I have my pepper spray. (laughs) But she's like walking alone in the middle of New York City on her way back to her apartment where she's only lived for like two days. Yeah. And it's. This is not. This is not. This is not right. She would have took a taxi. She would, you know, something. She would not be alone. <laughs> yeah, like you would have some, like a baseball bat or something. I don't know. Yeah, she's like, pepper spray is not enough, honey. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be packing. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she, uh, you know, they kind of have this weird, like flirty back and forth. 
Um, and then, you know, like the next day she tries again. Uh, she ends up uh, at a bar. <laughs> and, well, no, she had a rough day. And then like that night she goes to this bar and then she's like, I don't have any money for anything. And so the guy at the bar at the at the diner's like, well, here, you know, slice an apple pie on the house. And that's where we meet the coyotes. And you've got Cammy and Zoe and Rachel. Yes. And they're all and and they're all hanging out, like having uh, something to eat and kind of winding down from working at a bar, which makes a lot of sense. Like, um, I I don't chill. Well, yeah, I don't know if Gracie, you haven't worked at a bar before, right? Uh, I have worked at a bar. But late but night? it was a not a late night bar. Okay. But I have plenty of friends who have worked at late night bars, so okay, I know so how it works. Like, it's 3.30 in the morning, everybody's gone home, you go to Waffle House, you eat mm-hmm. some waffles, you drink some coffee, you chill out, you listen to the jukebox, you just have a good time, try and wind down after all the crazy oh, um, yeah. working at the bar. Oh, yeah. And, then, <laughs> like, and, that's, and that's what, like, I had to, had to do. I didn't usually go to, like, a Waffle House or whatever, but afterwards... We would, uh, I'd usually get a freaking egg salad sandwich from the, down the road, uh, 7-Eleven, and then I'd go to my car, and I'd eat an egg salad sandwich at you 4 o'clock what? in the morning. Whatever. But you needed it, though. Like, that I think everybody slushy. who work, yeah, I think everybody who works that kind of job, you need wind down time, because if you work at a bar, it is a hundred percent craziness you have to deal with drunk people you have to deal with rowdy Mm -hmm. people who are getting drunk you have to you know make sure you're on top of your game the entire time and be vigilant so you want an hour or two before you go home and go to bed just kind of like get out of that headspace where you've been hyper vigilant and i used to like i I used to just chill in my car for like about an hour just kind of listening to the radio and being on my phone or whatever right because I didn't really know a place to go and everybody was going home on their own, right? But we would walk each other to our cars. Like I had a, a few coworkers that would, because it was downtown Edmonton, right? Which is not exactly the safest. And, and, and yeah, they would like walk me to my car and then we'd be like, hey, you know, get home safe, right? And because mm-hmm. especially with, you know, being in the gay community, um, that's, a, that's a really real fear is that you're right. not going to get home safe. So I, I I still do that. Every time I talk to somebody, especially of the community, I'm always like, get home safe. Like, like be okay. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, like, I completely understand the mindset that these girls have. So mm-hmm. they're looking at, like, a Playboy magazine, and they're making bets on whatever the Playboy of the Month's, like, favorite movie is. Yeah. And then one of them goes, Saving Private Ryan, and she's like... A, a naked girl in army boots easy call and i mean i don't i i don't know i don't think so it, i mean it could have been con air you don't know honestly i always feel it like those, been rambo i always i always feel like those sorts of like um like things especially in playboy or like any of the other i also feel like a man wrote this thing because uh i feel like they would have been reading like a cosmo not a friggin like not a playboy. No, no. <laughs> um so after Violet sees them, she ends up finding the bar, the Coyote Ugly Bar, yeah. and she goes downstairs and is helping unload some liquor and uh she meets uh, Lil, who is the owner of the bar. And Lil's, you know, what a is real it? person. Well, basically, yeah, she's she's interesting. Well, uh, well that's the thing. She, like Lil is an actual real person. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So um, her name is uh, Lillian uh, Lovett. Lovell? Oh, she owns the original Coyote. Yeah, Lillian. she's best known as the founder of the original. And then she was also the host of uh, the reality TV show, The Ultimate Coyote Ugly Search. God, that sounds like the most early 2000s thing ever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she meets Lil. Lil's like, uh, you know, you do any drugs? No, I don't do any drugs. And then she's like, okay, you know, I, uh, I might give you a shot. Uh, and Violet goes, you know, like, I don't mean to press my luck, but why are you going to hire me? And then Lil says something, you know, the average man walks around with a two-year-old in your dockers and you look like a kindergarten teacher. And Violet's like, huh? She's like, the kids will love it. And it's I just, just a weird, it's a weird metaphor. I was like, barf. 
Like, that that felt disgusting. It's just a really weird way to phrase that the guys will really like you because you look cute and innocent. <laughs> like, like, ew, okay. Um, uh, but, you know, she says it's an audition, not a job, right? Right, because right. you got to know how to pour that liquor. You got to know how to dance and shake your ass. There are many things that are needed at a bar like this. Yeah. You know, and you got to know how to do them. And let me tell you. This bar doesn't even do mixed drinks. It does straight shots. Mm-hmm. Like, just to keep things flowing. Because there's this part where she starts that first night. And then this guy's like, oh, yeah, I'll have like a margarita. And she's like, don't do that. And he's like, um, well, how about a gin and tonic? She's like, nope, don't do that either. And he's a white wine. Nope, don't do that. And then she's like, well, well he's like, well, what do you serve? And she goes, Jim, Jack, Johnny Red, Johnny Black, and Jose, all my favorite men. That's the only reason I know so much. Like, before I started my bartender job, that's the only reason I knew so much about liquor. Um, but And then he's like, no, I'll just have a beer, right? And, I'll just have uh, a beer. And, and that's the thing. Like, when you're, uh, like, I, I was never a bartender because, uh, fuck that. <laughs> like, being a bartender yeah, would be the sucks. worst. Um, like, you make really good, like, on the tips, but mm-hmm. on a busy bar night, oh, God, kill me now. Um, mm-hmm. I just like to do the cleanup afterwards. <laughs> I'd rather scrub a toilet than be a bartender, honestly. Like, to be fair, being a bartender is being the front line of drunk people. Yeah. And it is not a fun place to be. Like, you have to I, have a certain attitude about it. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you have to be able to hold your shit because if you don't, like, they will run over you. Oh, yeah. And the, and the other thing, too, is, like, I was also making $15 an hour, which, um, thank you, Alberta. But uh, they, do, they don't do that here. <laughs> not in Nova Scotia. So, um... <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it's one of those things, like, working in a bar is... It's an experience. It's an experience, and it's fun, but it's also so tiring, and just, you're, like, on your ass the entire time just dealing with drunk people, and I couldn't imagine, because these girls are both bartenders, and then they're expected to go up and dance on the bar, like... Yeah, they're entertainers as well. Yeah. Like, and it's, uh... It's it's hard work. Like Oh yeah, like there was definitely this, not enough girls for that bar with with a bar God that no. full and they only had like no. three three bartenders. That's ridiculous. That was not enough. There no. were there was not enough staff for that bar at no. all. Like that was my thing. There was no way to keep up with the demand or the cash. No. <laughs> um but anyway, uh she doesn't do too hot, Violet. She's not really that great. And then, you know, like, Lil's like, you know, get up on the bar, dance. And she's like, no, I can't do that. Sorry. And Lil's like, you did okay for a nun because her backstory is she's a kindergarten teacher and a nun who doesn't want to be a virgin anymore. The only virgin in New York. The only virgin in New York. And then the Cammy's like, I'm the Russian tease. And Lil goes, honey, you can only be a tease if you don't sleep with them. And she's like, I keep forgetting that part. <laughs> um, I love Cammy. Cammy is adorable. She is. Her <laughs> actress was actually like not 21 when this movie came really? out. Yeah, How she was under. She? Um, she was under 21? Well, she's 39. That was 20. Yeah, so she would have been 19, like 18, 19 when they were filming this. Oh, well, that that makes her adorable. Yeah. Um, you can serve liquor at 18. You just can't drink it. Oh, well, so. yeah, because I guess uh, that was the one thing you... Sh- I didn't know that. I didn't know you yeah. could serve... Uh, at, least, at least here where I'm from, you oh. can serve liquor if you're 18, but you cannot drink it. You can you can distribute. You cannot partake. Interesting. Um, yeah, um, I know, yeah right? so... Um, so she she's like... She's, you know, all dejected. She goes to leave. But then there's two guys that are, like, yelling at each other. They're fighting. And she stops them, right? Because Lil gave her, like, maybe $10. And she's (laughs) like, like, here, take this 10 bucks. Buy the ladies around at the bar. How about that, you know? And then Lil's like, you know what? I'm giving you a second audition. Yeah, so that's how she, Uh, you know, is able to come back, right? So uh, that ends. And then... Um, the, there's another, like, 
thing of her trying to go out into New York and this like and then, like what the the other funny uh, the other funny scene is this one where uh the guy's like William Morris please hold William Morris please hold she's like I just you know need someone to listen to to my tape William Morris please hold and then she unplugs his phone yeah <laughs> his headset and she's like, I just want, can you give it to, like, Mariah or Whitney? <laughs> and uh, he's like, you're not going to get validated. Click. William Morris. Well, no, she, he, he ends up saying, he's like, listen, you need to go to an open, open mic, mic night, night like everybody else. You're not getting yeah, validated, like, right? You're not getting um, validated. <laughs> also, he's known... Uh, he played a character on iCarly, that actor. Who did he play? Uh, Lubert. <gasps> oh my god! You're right! Yeah. He played the, he played the apartment manager with the weird mole. I guess so. Holy I, shit! You I didn't never... watch iCarly. I did. I love iCarly. iCarly it was ahead of its time. Nickelodeon always managed to make really good, like, TV shows for teenagers to watch, like entertaining for teenagers to watch. I loved iCarly. Um, anywho, so she ends up like having another bad day. She does end up like, uh, God, what does she end up doing? She ends up going ends to up... an open mic, right? And uh, she's like, and then throwing up. Well, that's the thing. She's like, yeah, um, I don't know how this, like, works, but, like, and mm -hmm. the chick's like, yeah, well, one of my regulars just left, so, like, there's a spot for you. So she's like, you can go in the back and, you know, set up or whatever, and if you need to go mm -hmm. and throw up, then, like, the bathroom's right over there. And right. it was like, oh, okay, yikes. Yeah, and then she gets up on stage, and he's like, don't tease me, honey, sing. And, ugh, gross. Ugh, I hate And she, she hate leaves. So she much. gets it's off so the... Yucky. And, and that's the thing. I feel like this, her being s this nervous that she can't do anything, like, I get nerves. Like, I am very shy, and I know I don't seem like it on the podcast <laughs> because I love attention, um, but I am pretty shy, and I definitely have the nerves every time I do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But then you just do it. You just, you get it out of the way, and you just it's do really it. You either they sink or swim. Almost, yeah, it's it's almost comical how much stage fright she has. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's really, because I have stage fright really bad. Like, I did talent shows when I was in high school, and the worst part was right before you went on stage. But then you just take a deep breath when you're on stage, you let it out, and then you're fine, you know? Like, it's, it's really not that bad. And she was in a place where Hello? the stage lights were probably hiding most of the audience anyway. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's just weird. I don't know. It's just a weird uh, personality quirk that I don't. So anyway, like, um, God, I can't remember when she meets up with What's-His-Face again. But she does. And they have, like, no, oh, no, no, she no. goes, she, she goes, goes she goes and gets her, yeah, she goes and gets, oh, man, we lost all of her followers because I died. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll get them back. Uh, it's fine. Anyways, um, so she goes to the restaurant and she's like, listen, I want my tape back. And he's like, those are pretty good songs. And she's like, you listen to my tape. How dare and you? He's like, he's like, uh, no, not at all. Baby, you're the wrecking around. <laughs> she's like, you asshole. And he's like, yeah, eh, whatever. And then she, he's like, well, when can I see you again? And she's like, I'm a coyote. Like, you'll know what that means. So he ends up showing up at the bar, like, the same night where she's... Okay, so she Rachel ended does up... this thing where she gets in trouble for spray, spraying down the fire marshal because the fire marshal... Um, like, the whole point is, hell no H2O, right? Nobody gets water in the bar. Oh, yeah, because that was, like, the first thing. No whiskey thing. and water. Yeah, that was the first audition. Somebody asked for water, and they got sprayed with water, right? So mm -hmm. this guy is at the bar, and he's like, um, yeah, I don't want anything. And she's like, well, it's a no-parking zone. And then 
Uh, he's like, well, I'll have a water. And then she douses him with water and it turns out it's the fire marshal, which I'm going to say this. Rachel knew that it was the fire marshal, but she didn't say anything. And I get it that like her character is like a bitch and you have to pit women mm-hmm. against each other. But I just feel like this is a really shitty thing for her a to it have was done. completely unwarranted. <laughs> like, it, it seemed... Um, like, why does she hate, hi- like, oh, sorry, Violet so much? Like, there really is no rhyme or reason for Rachel except to... Except it's, ha- like, a hazing, I guess. Yeah, but it just seems, like, really weird and gross. But anyways, so she sprays... Um, it costs the bar $250. So Lil's like, you can still work at this bar if... You make up that money. Right. So this is when the so favorite this part is happens. Where, <laughs> this is where Kevin walks in and she's like, I know how I'm going to make this 250 bucks. And she gets him up on stage dancing to, um, I think it's EMF. Yeah. Okay, so it starts, well, that's the thing. She, she starts off with saying, I don't want your money. And then she gets Kevin the big microphone and she says... All right, ladies, the bidding starts. $5. You get this guy who's a hunk, and he's so (laughs) hot. And then this one chick is like, I got 20 bucks, yeah. Oh, my God. The part where, like, the girl's there with her boyfriend and is taking her boyfriend's money to bet on this guy. Oh, yeah. Dude, come on. Um... (laughs) But anyway, the bidding goes up and she's able to get the $250. So she knocks off work. And when she and, gets off work, and the, she's there. And the thing I want to quickly say about it is uh, two of, it, from this part, two of the bidding women, one was uh, Caitlin um, uh, Olsen, who is now most known for um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And the other mm-hmm. one was uh, Susan... Uh, Yeagley, who was Jessica Wicks in Parks and Rec. Right. Um, so what ends up happening is uh, she finishes up for the night. She gets to keep her job. She knocks off work and he's there and he's like, the woman that I ended up being with is a divorcee with two grown kids and blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna go home now. And he's like, no, you're gonna help me tonight because I helped you and so they kind of have like a first date thing where they go out and they um they get some food they they get some food and at first she thinks he's trying to get drugs but it turns out he's really into comic books and she's like that's so geeky and nerdy oh yeah which like which was hilarious because I mean give it like maybe five years Oh, yeah. And, and this was definitely a moment where I was just like, oh, yeah, Kevin Smith wrote this part. Like, you yeah. know that he definitely wrote this part because Kevin Smith yeah, you're is just, a huge you're just nerd. Spoiling the, you're just spoiling the fact that Kevin Smith worked on this. Like, we talked about it before we started recording. Oh, <laughs> we sorry. We talked about it during the recording. But, yeah, Kevin Smith was a ghostwriter on this movie. And I'm pretty sure he had a lot to do with uh, What's-His-Face's character. Kevin. Kevin's oh, yeah, character. definitely. Oh, sweet Jesus. Kevin Smith. Kevin O'Donnell. Oh, my God. I hate this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Is Kevin O'Donnell the self-insert? <laughs> oh, my God. I see it. A hundred percent. He's like, yeah. You know what? I wonder if that's like the screenwriter's wink and nod to the fact that Kevin Smith helped her write it. Well, because that was one of the like, things Because screenwriters do that, you know? They put well, in little Easter eggs. Well, no, there was actually, like, eight writers on this, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, but this, the, like, Screenwriters Guild only gave it to the first, like, person who did the first draft, which was Gina. And um, she... And I guess the original, like, her script compared to, like, the final film like, Mm -hmm. scarcely resembled the final film, right? Um, So she only wrote the first draft of the skit. But, like, a total of eight writers worked on this script. Jesus Christ. Including Kevin Smith. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway. um, 
God, where were we? So, you know, they have a good time, right? Like, and they end up, like, the end of the, the day comes and he takes her up to her apartment and he kisses her. And he's like, have a good day. And she's like, excuse me, have a good day. He's like, a, a panicked. <laughs> like, and it's kind of adorable and endearing, you know? And then throughout the rest of the movie, you kind of see this relationship develop between them where it starts off as like a flirty friendship and ends up becoming a relationship. And he's very supportive of her as a songwriter. He's supportive of her job. Like, he gets it. Um, he also works a hell of ton of jobs, and I'm like, he's a minimum wage worker in New York. You gotta make that dough to have well, a I mean, place to yeah, go. Yeah, like, there was the one part where, like, at that beginning of the, or, like, their date part, right, where he's like, yeah, so we're gonna go and, like, dump all this fish out of the bucket, and she's like, that's gross. It smells like fish. And he's it's like, yeah, bucks. but it's 150 bucks split between the two of us, and she's like, what? Yeah, one. Give me that fish. Let's uh, yeah. do it. Yeah. She's like, that's disgusting, but money. And I get it. Yeah. I would touch that nasty fish for 150 bucks, too. <laughs> it's true. That's, that's um, real money. So what ends up happening at the bar is, like, one night it gets super rowdy, and, like, the they're tearing the place apart. People are going over the bar to try and steal the liquor. So, like, somebody hits well, the jukebox, and one way or another starts playing. Well, yeah. So she grabs the microphone and gets on stage and kind of overcomes her stage fright by singing along to the jukebox. And she saves the day, apparently. She was able well, to create a distraction long enough for people to, you know, get get him out of the bar and everything. It's, well, that's a, it's the other cool. thing I want to say, too, is, like, they were portraying Fleet Week, which is a very crazy week because every sailor from around the world goes to New York for some ungodly reason. And, like, they all just, they're all in their navy whites, and it's, it's hell. It's actual Yeah, it hell. looks like it. I, I don't ever want to go to a Fleet Week. Like, no. Like, Bike Week in Myrtle Beach is bad enough. Like, Bike Week is hell and you got it twice a year it is impossibly crowded the bars are full it's just yeah it ain't it ain't good um it's it's not must it's not for me uh but yeah you know so she starts singing along to the jukebox and apparently she's like that's a one-time performance i'm gonna have to repeat like every night and i have to agree with rachel on this she sang along to the jukebox. Yeah. We're yeah. not polishing a Grammy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, like, I, I was on board with Rachel because I was like, yeah, I mean, she did some karaoke. Like, okay, cool. Um, yeah. But here's the other thing is a photographer from The Voice takes a picture of Violet in the middle of, like, her, mm -hmm. uh, like, singing to this, yeah. right? And yeah. that comes back later. Yeah, right? like, so so the relationship is developing between her and Kevin. Like, there's this one part where he's, like, trying to help her get over her stage fright, and they end up having sex. Um, and Ashlyn watched the extended version of this scene. I did not. She was then giving me a football play-by-play -play of he's taking off her shirt. He's pushing her against the, this, the, the Patrick the, Swayze. Okay, oh, so, like... They're getting the, naked. Yeah, the extended version was, like softcore porn like that's it's straight up just softcore porn right cool and it's uh, it's not good um no, and it was completely fact, useless uh piper uh the actress actually used a body double for the scene that's not her fair. yeah fair <laughs> um so uh she ends up like playing at the bar one night and her dad comes in and she's getting water pitchers tossed on her and then her dad is like i'm disappointed and ashamed in you for using your sexual prowess to get money and then he leaves um and then uh i can't remember exactly what happens after that i did not take notes because i'm an idiot and i watched this two two days ago but what no, that's up, okay what ends, but like what her dad what ends up happening after the dad thing is her boyfriend had gotten her in a gig at this open mic night and he had put up uh that special edition comic as the collateral and she ends up not being able to go because it's super crowded she's needed at the bar you know like she can't leave and this is the part where i'm like i understand both sides here this is where if we were doing an am i the asshole it would be neither are the asshole 
you know? Everybody sucks here. Everybody sucks here, but at the same time, I understand where everybody's coming from. It's Lil's business. She needs she needs her, you know, her her bartender there because she's overcrowded, right? Um, and Violet needs the money. And yeah, it sucks that he put up the collateral, but she had already told him she didn't want to do it. Well, yeah, and that's he had a, done it before he had gotten her permission. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing, right? He like he's really about like trying to get her stage fright, which like that's fair because her stage fright. She uses her mom. It's comical. Oh yeah, and she uses her mom like yeah. My mom was never able to make it, so I can't make it. I I can't sing my own songs. I just want to hear somebody famous. And it's like, okay, we get it. You want to be Sia. That's cool and all. But you still (laughs) need to sing your own songs because that's what they do. Like, Sia at the time was still sending in stuff where she sang her own songs, even though she's super shy. She still did it. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We're so off track. I'm trying to, like, wrap it up. Like, Um, But anyway, so... She gets terminated, right? Her um, oh, well, that's they because break up. Kevin comes into the bar and starts a fight. Oh yeah, that, he, that that's the and then after you know she, after the fight, she takes him outside and she like baits oh. him. They're they're really upset with each other and she baits him. She's like, oh, we don't talk about you, do we? We don't talk about what a tragic life you have. Oh, let me guess, you have a wife and two kids back in Sydney, and he's like, I didn't have a home, <laughs> and it's like Kevin. <laughs> Kevin was very upset. <laughs> and, well, because, uh, I mean, she is kind of being shitty, right? She, she is and being then, very shitty. And so then he turns said, it around. And, and he turns around and he's like, I didn't have a home. Like, this was my dream was to make it on my own in New York. New York, And that's what I'm doing. And I'm trying to help you. And you're going. At least I do it with dignity. And this okay, is the part this, where I, he lost me. I was, I know. I was 100% with him on the argument until he said I do it with dignity and I was you like need oh to just you're like, slut shaming her get out like no uh, like, yeah, we come on Kevin so great, Smith Kevin. stop that I mean what it remind you know what it does remind me of the scene where Amy and Holden have their huge fight after oh, yeah. he finds out she'd been in a threesome I get the same energy from this scene oh right? yeah absolutely like, same energy of him slut shaming her and like it's just it's there but at the same time she actually was kind of shitty to him first um everybody's the asshole everybody sucks in this situation at this particular point so So, they kind of break up but not really um and then she goes back in and lil's like you're fired i told you not to bring your boyfriends into my bar and again it sucks for violet but i understand lil's point of view as well so her she goes her baby. Well, exactly. So she goes back to New Jersey for Gloria's wedding. Um, and that day, Bill, like, she sees her dad, right? And they, like, get oh, a picture dance. or whatever. But then he gets into a car accident. And mm-hmm. this prompts Violet to say, I'm going to move back to New Jersey and, like, help take care of you. And he's like, no, don't. And then he tells her the truth that her mother didn't actually have a problem with stage fright and quit singing because of him. Because he wanted, he gave her an ultimatum to that, like, you, it's either me or the singing. And I'm just saying, Violet's mom, I would have picked the singing. Yikes. Yikes. Mundo. So, it was bad. (laughs) Yeah, so... Then she's like, why would you tell me that she... Well, because the mother said that the reason why she quit singing was because of stage fright or whatever. So mm-hmm. her mother, like, gaslit her, I guess. But her I mom's- guess. Um, her mom's dead. Uh, so what ends up happening is she ends up going back to New York. She ends up finding this, like, waitress job that's in a very quiet part of the city. Um, and she gets an open mic night and she manages, like, she sends in the tape for the open mic night. They loved her, her CD. They want her to do it. Yeah, at the Bowery. At the the Bowery, Bowery. which is, which is a huge spot for rising talent. Yeah. Um, it's the Bowery Ballroom, which is a real place in New York that has like live music. And 
So this is like, it, oh, and it was also awarded by Rolling Stone the best club in America, like number yeah, one. Yeah, so like this is the big break, right? Yeah. Like this is her huge break to be a songwriter and to write music for artists. But also, she, has she to got, did she get back with Kevin in this time too? Kinda, yeah. They end up like she thinks that he's moved on with some girl, but he really he's just subleasing because he's decided to move out of New York City. Um, but they end up kind of getting back together and apologizing with each other because he ends up showing up the night of her Bowery Ballroom performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing is, is Lil goes uh into the restaurant where she's working, and you know she apologizes. She's like, "Hell, I'm married to that bar," and I'm just like. I mean, you're a single woman in New York who runs her own business. You got to be married to that bar. <laughs> like, yeah, and a very successful business at that. Yeah, right? exactly. Like you're making bank. You have to be married to that bar. Like any small small business owner understands, you have to be married to that business. So she's at the Bowery, right? And like the all the coyotes are there. Her dad's mm-hmm. there. Her dad's new girlfriend's there. Who's uh, a nurse who took you know, care of him? <laughs> um, and then. There, there's like a difficult so start stupid. where they start the music, right? And then she so gets dumb. stage fright and she stops and she can't sing. But then the the lights go the out. Lights. Yeah, the lights go down, right? And it Kevin's there and like, you know, a man saves the squirrel from, you know, her big break or whatever, <laughs> right? Um, and then she goes on with the performance and, you know, she gets a deal with the record label and then it concludes with, them all being back at Coyote Ugly. Leanne Rhymes is now singing her song, um, and they're all at the bar or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just so dumb because she's so scared, and then they cut off the lights, and then she's like, under a love sky, gonna be with you. And then the music starts to play, and the lights come back on, and then, like, ten seconds later, she's jamming out like she's been a pro the whole time. Yeah, and I'm just which, like, this is an unrealistic representation of getting over that bad of a stage fright. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But, you know, and then the end scene is when um, her dad, like, ends up going to the bar where they're having the celebration with uh, Leanne Rhymes uh, mm-hmm. about her selling the music. And then they do the auction with her dad. Uh, <laughs> which funny. The, the, the bidding ladies, one of them is Alex uh, Borstein, who is in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and several other things. And then the other woman she was... She was in the Lizzie McGuire movie as the principal. Okay, you know what? Nobody watched that. Uh, she also does the voice of uh, Lewis Griffin in Family Guy. That's like her big thing that she's known for. And then also... Carol Ann Susie, who uh, has since passed away, but she, for many years, did the off-screen voice for The Big Bang Theory of uh, mm. Buddy's mother. Nice. Yeah. Um, It's so funny. I'm looking at the trivia page right now. Leanne Rimes did all of the singing. Like, I thought Piper Parabo did the, like, the, nope. She didn't do any of the singing at all. All of the singing is Leanne Rhymes, which explains why the entire soundtrack is basically a Leanne Rhymes album. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, Jessica Simpson was going to be the lead character, but dropped out when filmmakers refused to take out the sex scene. Most of the sex scene was cut from the finished film anyway. Yep, it was. Yeah, because it was definitely not there. Ashlyn was giving me that play-by-play, and I'm like, I see where the sheet is barely covering his genitals. That is it. Um, um, also, oh. this film is based off of the article, The Muse of Coyote Ugly Saloon, which was in GQ and was done by Elizabeth Gil- Gilbert, who is most known from her memoir of Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, she she, was a coyote? She worked as a bartender there, and the bar opened in 1993 and quickly became a favorite of the Lower East Side hipsters. And then mentioned in the film, Coyote Ugly refers to the feeling of waking up after a one-night stand, discovering that one's arm is underneath someone who is so physically repulsive that That one would rather chew chew off off than wake them up. Yeah. 
without being discovered. I was going to say that. And and the reason is coyotes are known to gnaw off limbs if -hmm. they're caught in a trap. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's a funny name for a bar. I do love that line, though, where she's like, well, why would you name your bar after that? And it's like, because Cheers was taken. And I mean, it was. <laughs> it's like, 100% one of the funniest lines in the whole movie. Like, uh, I, I love this movie. There are plenty of quotes that I still say. Like, when I was a bartender, like... <laughs> I love to say Jim, Jack, Johnny Red, Johnny Black, and Jose, like, when I was checking the the liquors to see what we had. <laughs> I put them in that order when I was in charge of, like, organizing the shelf. <laughs> I was such a fucking dork. But you know what? I knew my liquor. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Um... Yeah, Kevin Smith revealed on the Dogma commentary track that he did uncredited work. He also said that one story element of this movie that most would believe attributed to him is Adam Garcia's character being into comic books. But that wasn't his idea at all. Which really surprises me. Bullshit! Bullshit, Kevin! I don't believe you! I'm just saying, like, the guy's name is Kevin. Like self-insert. It was a self-insert. It had to have been. Uh, I don't know. Um, um, yeah. Oh, wow. Feruza Balk was almost Violet Sanford? Feruza Balk? Like, emo queen Feruza Balk? Yeah. Wow. That would have been a weird movie. Also, Britney Spears. I could see Britney Spears, though. Because then uh, they wouldn't have had to pay, to pay Leanne Rimes for the soundtrack. I mean, but then she ended up doing crosswords also, like three. And then three also years later. Jewel. Oh shit! Yeah, Jewel was also considered. Your soul. I God, I I forgot about Jewel. Like Everybody I forgot did. she existed. Oh, like yeah, I didn't know who Jewel Kilcher was until you said Jewel, and I'm like, oh, who will save your soul? It's the only song I know by her. Well, that's the thing. She is known for just being named Jewel, right? But, like, nobody knows. I I couldn't tell you her last name. Like, it says that. And I was like, oh, is that an actress? And I, like, looked it up because I was like, I don't know. Leanne Rimes and Jewel were just so very similar. Like, those two. And then also, um, oh, the chick who did Bridget Jones. uh, Why can't I remember her name? You know who I'm talking about, right? They all had that, like. They have really squinty eyes. Like white ladies <laughs> with squinty eyes. That's like they oh, all yeah, look the like one that. that played Moaning Myrtle. No! Yeah. In Bridget Jones's diary. She played Bridget Jones. Oh, Renee Zellweger. Yes. Yeah, they yeah, all yeah. look very similar at that time period. Um, it turns out that uh Test audiences wanted to see more John Goodman, so that's they added a whole bunch of John Goodman scenes, like of her dad, just so he had more time in the film. Oh, okay, huh. that's fair. I yeah. mean, he's fun to watch. Yeah, and then there's this one that says Mike Malcolm Benville declined to direct it, and then I'm looking at what he's done, and it's like maybe he should have directed it. Because he doesn't have anything on his, uh, on his director, director filmography. So, what is the thanks IM, what is the thanks IMDB moment? Piedmont is a small town in South Dakota, not North Dakota. Thanks, IMDB. I, I wouldn't have known that, though. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find one. They're really, they're, I think we actually have hit one where... Um, oh, ha, here it is. When Violet goes to the club where Kevin works, the group The Calling is performing. That was okay. I'll go wherever you will go. <laughs> like, any better sound alike? I literally used to get the two confused when I first started listening to rock music. He sounds so much like Eddie Vedder from Pink Floyd. I could mm. not tell the difference. If I could, then I would. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what it. about those tests? 
Um, okay, so Bechdel test. You have two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This does happen quite a bit, so it passes. Then you have the racial Bechdel test. You have two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. This is a very white movie. Very white movie. There Tyra is Banks only being one prominent one. on there... the cover and having less than five lines is ridiculous. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, she she is the one character that like I was so disappointed that she was not in this more. There mm. are like legit two women of color. One uh, and they both have names, and one is Wendy, and the other one is Tyra Banks' character. Yeah, like Zoe. Zoe. Yeah, um, so it does not pass. Then you have the Makomori test. You have a woman whose storyline isn't necessarily pushing a male narrative forward. The answer is yes, because, of course, uh, um, Violet's big goal is to be a songwriter, and that's her main motivation. The romance with Kevin is nice, but it's not, like, the main thing. Um, I still hate, though, that they used Kevin as, like the reason why her she didn't shoot her shot or like she didn't you know her shot wasn't shit or shot shit or shot yeah like Um, it was kevin that saved the day and it was like gross yes because a man must but ultimately her story arc was not about pushing his narrative forward but her own then you have the juvenile test you have a person of color in the film whose storyline isn't about pushing a white narrative forward I mean, Zoe is going to law school, but she's not enough of a prominent character to actually have a story arc, so mm-hmm. it fails. And then you have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not take away from the plot? You could replace Wendy. You could replace Cammy. Neither one of them really matter. I mean, hell, you could replace Rachel. The only fun thing about Rachel is that she's on probation because the she beat the shit out of a guy that grabbed her ass. Oh, and then she did cut a guy's ponytail off. Yeah. I, I did like that part where um, Lil's like, he grabbed her ass, she, she knocked him out, I gave her a raise. And I'm like, that's it. That's exactly right. That's Feminism. exactly right. <laughs> um... So, yeah, Sexy Lamp, it doesn't pass it. And then the last one is Vito Russo test. You have someone who is LGBTQA+. Uh, do they matter to the plot? Are they more than a stereotype? Unfortunately, uh, none of that is represented. So it fails there. So really, the only test it passed was Macklemore and uh, the Bechdel. Now, do I think this movie is feminist? No. Yes. Really? Because, listen, here's why. Here's why. Okay, go with me on this. Okay. okay just, just go with me. You have a woman who owns her own business and is very successful and does not have to shake her ass in order to make that business successful. Granted, she does have women do it for her. But she's a successful woman in New York, single runs her own business, and takes no shit. Lil is a feminist character. I don't know if I agree with that. But the movie as a whole is not feminist. Because no, I mean, like... Saving the day. The guy's the reason that she ends up, like, getting over her stage fright. Um, also, it's very highly sexualized and definitely made for the male gaze, especially because there's scenes where she's literally on the phone talking to her dad getting dressed and there's close-ups of her panties. Oh my god, I know. Like, how gross. <laughs> it was definitely made for the male gaze. Like, this is a movie that would have probably benefited better from a female director, but you get yeah. what you get, I guess. Um, so, um, now, do I also, think the movie is good? It's the better yes. question. Hell yes, I love this movie. Okay. I will go down saying this movie is amazing. Okay, I'm gonna say I don't think that this movie is feminist. That's fair. I was making a joke. I I know, <laughs> I know. I I just I really don't think that this movie was feminist. Oh, I didn't know the director was actually Canadian. Cool. Um, he he grew up in Montreal, but. Um, the other thing is, I, I do love this movie. I, I, I think it's, I, like, I know that it's kind of a trashy movie, but I still love it just so much. And, uh, you know, it was actually, it's still fun to watch. 
It and, is. And that soundtrack is like, it's on point. I know all the songs. Yeah. I don't like to have the rain on my shoes, but, but I, I do love you. <laughs> oh, man. I know all the words to all the songs. I still listen to this soundtrack, like, in my oh, yeah. country music playlist. It's still uh, on my, it's on my, like, my iTunes. Yeah, it's, it's good shit. It's good. Um, so I think this is our last bad movie. That's unfortunate. Um, but it is our last bad movie this month. Uh, it's been great. We've had a good time. Uh, and the good times are going to keep rolling because technically we have bad movie month part two. <laughs> Uh, we're doing Roland Emmerich movies this uh, this coming month, um, and I think the first one we're going to do, just to get it out of the way, because it's the longest, is The Patriot. Yeah. Because nothing says America like a movie that's very patriotic and historically inaccurate. Yay! <laughs> and it was also filmed in South Carolina. And has a terrible anti-Semite as the main character. Hooray! Yeah, there's there's that too. Oh, and it also has Heath Ledger in it. Oh man, that's gonna be a hard scene to watch, especially now that he has passed away. Yeah. Oh, I I actually like every time I watch this movie now, I get to that part and then I don't watch anymore. Like right before he dies, I I don't watch the end of the movie. So, it's going to be fun to have to suffer. Uh, yep. But yeah, I, I'm just excited because I actually know the real history um, that inspired the film. So, I'm like, I get to be a history nerd. So, that's going to be the fun part. Um, now, if you want to check us out, we are on Twitch. Uh, we're streaming at least once a week. Twitch.tv slash Feminist Critique Pod. I am on Twitter at South of Grace. You can check out our our podcast Twitter at Feminist Pod. Where we update about uh, when we're actually going to be doing our Twitch streams. Yeah, typically it's Saturday or Sunday night because those are the easiest nights for us since we both work um, jobs Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, uh, it just depends on when we finish watching movies. Um... So, yeah, you can check us out there. Um, I'm on Twitter at South of Grace. You can email us at thefeministcritiquepodcast at gmail.com. Ashley? I'm also on the Twitters as Ashley's. A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And, uh, yeah, make sure to, like, uh, like and comment and review us. Yeah, review us. Review us on either yes. iTunes or one of those other things because we will definitely either read it or talk about it, and uh, honestly, I don't care if it's bad reviews or good reviews. Like, I just, you know, be yeah. honest with us. How can we yeah, make this better for key. you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we will see you guys next week. We'll be watching The Patriot. So, uh, yeah, have fun. Um, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.